everybody, this is Trey Graham, and thanks for listening to the Phil and Reese podcast with special guest Aaron Zahn. We're taking a slightly different tone today. Not really for a particular reason. I mean, other than just to try something new. Which, you know, new isn't always better, but it's also not always the worst. So, somewhere in the middle is probably fine. But before we get into this something new, let me at least say this. Memories are a powerful tool. Yes, I really do mean a a tool. They are mediums that can unlock deep and powerful emotions, both for good and bad. Life simply ceases to move forward without the use of memories. How would we share our experiences and knowledge gained with those who did not find themselves present at the time of a particular event? Not every single moment in history can be simultaneously experienced by every person. Therefore, we rely on memories, recounted by others, to share what we did not see or feel ourselves. Or I guess if we're going to, we can just avoid fanciful and metaphorical words. We might just say people share stories. Stories and tales, at least by my reckoning, are as old as time itself as surely spoken word was probably more prevalent before even writing. People just simply sharing. And I, for one, I love a good story. Whether it's the tale of a hobbit and his precious ring or a crazed and cracked rum runner chasing after the love of his life, stories have a way of capturing us and allowing us to join the adventure that they went on, sharing the experience I was incapable of having. Well, today, our something new is that Reese has a a memory to share, a good story. Hey guys, it's Reese. Um, It's been a long time. A lot has happened. I'm uh, sure life has been crazy for you guys. Um, It's been crazy for me too. Living out in the middle of nowhere. Still be affected by all this stuff. But with the free time that I do have, I've been trying to write more. And I wrote a story about a backpacking trip Philip, Aaron and I went on um, the beginning of the year. Back when... We thought 2020 was going to be a good year. <laughs> um, so I wrote this a long time ago, um, Stream of Consciousness, and we're just going to go into it. So be uh, happy to hear what you guys thought about it, what you enjoyed, how I can improve my writing style, because um, this is something I think I want to start doing more. Um, not to brag, but I do a lot of memorable things, and I feel like they would be um, correctly remembered if I wrote them down and kind of do justice to those memories and have something to look back on. So before we start, um, we hiked the Ozark Trail section of Tomsock. It was a total of 13 and a half miles with a whopping 1,299 feet of elevation change. I don't know if you know much about elevation, but wow, <laughs> it's not a lot. Okay, let's hop into it. So what you need to realize before we start the story is that the trip had been rescheduled three or four times since the original date in late November. It had been delayed so many times I was starting to get frustrated and anxious. 
I need to get outside bad. So when a snowstorm and tornado warning hit Springfield the day before, I determined nothing was going to get in the way of us going on this trip. Besides, Tomsock is three and a half hours away from the center of the storm, so there's no way we'll get any rain, right? I even checked the weather app, and it only predicted a 40% chance of rain and snow. The night before, Aaron and I met up at Phil's and got everything packed, got our meals ready, and played some board games, of course. Summer sausage, Ritz, and trail mix are our snacks of choice, with packet rice and a pre-cooked chicken for dinner. We got up bright and early at 7-ish, and multiple suggestions that we could stay home and play video games were made by two people in the group that were not me. This suggestion was turned down by a vote of 1-2. to two. On the road, we stopped for some coffee at McDonald's on our way out, and it has to be said, the vanilla latte from McDonald's has to be the worst coffee I've ever had. It was looking to be representative of our trip to come. For those of you who don't know, Tomsock is the highest point in Missouri at a massive 1,772.68 feet above sea level. For you geography nerds, that ranks at the 44th tallest state high point and higher than Ohio's peak because Ohio sucks. And if you're Ohioan, you can freaking suck it. So we reached the parking lot around 12.30, driving through a ton of backwoods towns along the way, and most of them were in danger of flooding. So much for missing that storm. In the parking lot, the fog was so thick, the scenic view was neither scenic nor a view. But I guess technically it was a view, just not a good one. But I guess by describing something as scenic, it implies that the view being described as such would be good, or even great. So by saying it is not scenic, one could automatically assume it was not good. Also, as a side note, I'm watching The King as I'm writing this. It is a freaking stellar movie. I'm enjoying it more than Outlaw King, I think. My only question is how anyone is able to tell who is who. It's just ten men who all look the same hitting each other with the pommel of their swords. Alright, back to the story. We dropped the car off at Tomsock and took the other car to the Scour Trail in Johnson Shut-In State Park. We geared up and started our hike. The ground was pretty damp. It seemed that it rained more here last night than the weather app had suggested. Most leaves on the ground were completely soaked, and any wood on the ground seemed to be thoroughly drenched as well. I had the realization that starting a fire was going to be borderline impossible, but I kept these concerns to myself. And with the sub 40 degree temperature, a fire would be desperately needed at camp. Okay, it's got to be said I'm a huge fan of the movies where the color tone is preferential to dark colors, blues, and greens, and muted on colors like red. Okay, okay, okay. So we're a mile and a half in. We reached an outcrop on the ridge side overlooking the Black River, and it definitely qualified as a scenic view. The river was obviously flooded. Many trees and brush were overtaken with water, and three or four currents separated in confluence through the drainage. As we watched the water below us, water started to slowly trickle on our heads. That's right. We were getting rained on, baby. I was wearing my $200 Patagonia Nano Puff Jacket that is water-resistant but not waterproof, which is a very important distinction. So naturally, after hiking another 10 minutes when we stopped for a break, I swapped my puff jacket for a rain jacket. The rain was so thick that in the short time it took for me to swap my outerwear, my flannel was soaked. Mistake number one that will come back to bite me later. One can argue that going on this trip in the wake of a winter storm was mistake number one, but those people can shut up. With rain jackets and pack covers on, we made our way through the junction that linked us to the Ozark Trail. The trail followed a mountain drainage along the ridge, so there was not much elevation change. We're going to start that over, that was weird. With rain jackets and our pack covers on, we made our way through the junction that linked us to the Ozark Trail. 
The trail followed a mountain drainage along the ridge, so there was not much elevation change. At the second mile, we met up with the OT and started our ascent to the first mountain that surrounded the Tomsock Basin. For those of you with no outdoor experience, I will now explain some words I am using in layman terms. Place your hands out in front of you, palms up, and put them together, pinky touching pinky. If you are driving, I would advise doing this quickly. If you start to bring your thumbs together, your hand will start to cup. The higher points of your hands are the outside edges, unless you're some sort of freak in doing this exercise wrong, which is obviously your fault and not my failure to explain this properly. So like I was saying, the elevated outsides are what you call a ridge, and your palms are the hollow of that ridge. If you exaggeratedly cup your hands, the outsides are mountains, and the palms is the basin. Essentially, they're the same thing, but obviously I think the distinction is worthy enough to explain. As we made it over the ridge, the trail took us on a parallel route, hugging the mountainside. It took us through some pretty country, besides the freezing rain. The trail took us through every single glade that it could. For those of you at home, a glade is an ecosystem dominated by rock covered in moss, lichen, and grasses. So essentially, we were getting relentlessly rained on with no cover, and the trails had turned to streams. Since there was no dirt for the water to seep into, it just glided right off the rocks. Aaron's feet were wet almost immediately, and mine got wet a couple hours before we made camp, because my boots are better than Aaron's. First day, we hiked eight miles in total. The majority of it was paralleling ridges and a descent into the basin at the end of the day. Sundown was at 5, and we started looking for a campsite at 3.30. It's always an interesting dilemma when you're trying to find a camp, especially when you're really tired. Whenever you find a promising spot, take your time to see if it's up to your standards of what a campsite should be. And when you decide a spot is not up to snuff, you keep going, hoping to find something better. The thing is, you have no idea what is up ahead, and all you want to do is get out of the snow. Well, fortunately for us, we found a pretty good spot at the bottom of the basin near flooded Tomsock Creek. It was a flat area and some hardwoods with a stone fire pit. The luxury digs. Moments after we got our packs off, the light snow turned into absolute globs of snow. I'm talking like cookie-sized snowflakes, and it was coming down quick. It was a race against time to get camp set up and a fire started before it got completely dark and the snow accumulated on the ground. Aaron and I started to put up tents while Philip started a fire. Once a tent was set up, we had to scoop out the mounds of snow out of the tent that managed to accumulate in the time it took us to put the poles in the dirt and get the rain fly out and over the tent. 10 or 20 minutes later, it was completely dark. Our tents are up and the fire is sputtering. <laughs> my clothes are drenched, so I get in my tent and start to change into my sleeping clothes. Aaron and Philip do the same. It is 5.45. Snow is coming down in heaps. I really didn't want to get outside of my tent. I was not alone in this predicament. Getting ready for bed, I left my boots outside under the rain fly as they were filthy and wet. Since my pants were slightly muddy, I left them outside of my sleeping bag, but put the flannel inside my sleeping bag in hopes that my body heat would dry it out. So, I ate trail mix in my sleeping bag at 6 o'clock at night and passed out. It was about 20 degrees outside the whole night. I slept for what felt like 10 hours, and when I woke up and checked my phone, I saw that it was 7.30. <laughs> I woke up like this five or six more times. The wet flannel was also sapping all the heat from me, so I ended up taking it out and laying it on top of my bag. Taking the flannel out helped me warm considerably, and I had hand warmers to place wherever I got cold. Then I would fall asleep, wake up an hour later, and move the hand warmer somewhere else. I was just cold enough to be uncomfortable and make it difficult to fall back asleep. Sometimes you would wonder if you would ever be warm again, and you can't even remember what it feels like to be warm. I had spent the whole first day waiting and waiting to get to camp and fall asleep, 
And when I'm finally laying down in my sleeping bag, I'm just waiting and waiting for it to get light outside so I can have coffee in the morning and then hike to the nearest steak and shake. When the sun rose, we neglected to have coffee and breakfast in favor of packing up and getting home ASAP. Fortunately for me, my flannel, pants, and boots all froze in the night, so I decided to hike out in my pajamas. After squeezing my feet in my frozen boots, we started to pack as quickly as we could. Yet it seems we all had different definitions for quickly. Aaron's hands got so cold that in the process of taking his tent down, he just stood there motionless staring at his tent. So I had to help him pack up. When we finally got ready to go, we found our first flooded stream crossing 600 feet from camp. We managed to cross without incident and began to make our way through the basin towards our destination. A couple of miles in my frozen boots started to warm. A couple miles in, my frozen boots started to warm, and the ice started to melt and wet my socks. I don't know if you've ever hiked with wet socks before, but it's an uncomfortable and unsettling feeling. It feels like your skin is sliding around your boot, but you can't really tell or not because the wetness is just an overwhelming feeling. Then we get to the mother of all stream crossings. After about 10 minutes of looking for a crossing where the water was shallower than 10 inches, I summoned up the courage and crossed to a gravel bar, walked a couple feet upstream, then crossed at the shallowest bit I could find. Turns out I fared the best, as I only had a little water trickle into my already wet right sock. So I sat on a frozen log and ate trail mix for about 10 minutes, sadistically laughing. Bill, you can cut this out, but if you uh, want to uh, chime in and explain your stream crossing adventure, here's where you go. I've decided I will interject in and uh, maybe defend myself or provide my own perception as uh, yeah, Reese was just sitting on a log forever away eating trail mix while Aaron and I continued to try to cross. You know, this wouldn't have been a big deal had it been maybe spring or summer or fall, literally any time other than winter. But when the temperature is below freezing, I'm a little less inclined to want my feet or my clothing to get wet because I, like Reese, also decided to hike out in my pajama pants because my hiking pants were also very frozen. So yeah, we just took a little bit longer, I think, to decide where to try and cross before eventually coming relatively to the same conclusion that Reese did, which is that I think uh, my feet are just going to get a little wet. So I rolled up my pants, uh, crossed across as quickly as I could to keep as much water out of my shoes as possible, and you know, it was, I'm going to say, semi-successful. Both my feet were indeed wet, but I was able to cross, get to the other side, change into some dry socks, and dry my feet off with a dry towel that I did have. So it did not quite ruin the entire adventure, although my feet were a little bit cold for a while. But, you know, such is life. Such is the hike. So, sorry, Reese. I will stop stealing your thunder and let you get back to telling the story. A couple miles later, we crossed the same stream a couple more times and reached the Devil's Toll Gate, which was a pretty cool rock formation right by the trail. If it was a detour, we probably would not have bothered to go see it. A little bit after this was our last stream crossing, and I was able to find the narrowest section. It was at the top of a small waterfall with two boulders at the precipice, where the narrowest amount of water ran through. It was precarious to navigate because you had to put your weight on wet rocks and quickly scamper to the other side whilst wearing a heavy pack. And if you fell over the side, you would fall into a large pool of freezing cold water. At the other side was a tall boulder. So essentially, you crossed as quickly as you could and used all your momentum to launch yourself and to hold on to this boulder and shimmy yourself to the other side. 
Strangely, we crossed without incident. Our last stop at the end of the valley was Minasoc Tom Falls, which is a 132-foot-tall waterfall, which was full of water due to the rain of the last couple days. Mile-and-a-half uphill climb to the top of the mountain followed. When we got to the top, a paved path took us to a plaque that informed us that the mountain we were standing on was the highest point in Missouri. When we got back to the car, I proceeded to scrape ice off the car while we made coffee and a jet boil in the parking lot, just like hobos. We returned home and had steak and shake that night, as is tradition. Thusly, our journey had come to a close. Well, guys, uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, maybe not the uh, most adventurous or exciting journey, uh, but we made it, and I wrote it down, so that makes it all the more impressive. Um, I had a couple hunts this spring that uh, I'm going to write down, and I'd love to share them with you guys. So stay safe, listen to the professionals, as in medical professionals, not the entertainment professionals. Um, tell your mom you love her, and you have a good day. See y'all.